Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Youth Hoops Pod presented by Pro Skills Basketball. Today, we are coming back with another Bitcoin and basketball episode. And on this episode, we have a major, major announcement. PSB is partnering with Strike, and this is going to allow our employees to be paid in Bitcoin if they choose. Now, why would they choose to do so? If you continue listening to this episode, we are going to jump into some macroeconomic outlooks on Bitcoin today and why you would make the choice to get paid a portion of your salary in Bitcoin. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Weekly podcast episodes dropping. Stay tuned. Okay, very interesting. Well, on the note of exchanges uh, and 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 Bitcoin becoming more popularized, uh, people being paid in Bitcoin, all these things happening. Brendan, I'm going to throw it over to you because uh, we have a big announcement here at PSB and uh, I'm excited to announce I'll, I'll be getting paid in a little portion of Bitcoin here soon if you would like to explain a little further on that. Yeah, so by the time people hear this podcast, it should be Tuesday um, and we will be announcing that um, in, in partnership with Strike, we're going to offer to pay our employees in Bitcoin. So we have over 200 employees, um, some full-time, some part-time. Um, and through Strike, we've talked about, I feel like I talk about Strike every single podcast because I, I, I love what they do. Um, our employees are able to get paid in Bitcoin. And to be perfectly clear, it's more like we are just making them aware that they can get paid in Bitcoin. We're not actually like physically sending them Bitcoin or, or digitally sending them Bitcoin. They can set it up all on their own, which is very cool. So it doesn't even have to be a pro skills thing. It can be, you know, someone working at Wells Fargo or someone working for the NBA or whatever. It doesn't matter. Any employer, you can, all you have to do is open a strike account. Then through your, whatever HR platform you use at work, you set up another bank account, you choose the amount of money, every paycheck that you want to send to strike. But then the cool thing that strike does is it will automatically convert any amount of dollars you want to Bitcoin for no fees. Um, so you can, and then I would put 1%. in my, like, I would put in my like wallet address that you said, Lee, and it would just send it to my wallet. Well, strike is, I don't know if it's really considered an exchange because it's only Bitcoin. That's, I was going to ask that as well. Maybe it is an exchange. It's just a Bitcoin exchange. I don't know, Lee, if that's the correct terminology, but Strike is like you a got Venmo. It. Okay, Strike is like a Venmo style Bitcoin app, but it uses the Lightning network. So Lightning, we talked about before, is layer two of Bitcoin. And what it does is it batches um, transactions. So it settles them in a batch. So it's able to make them cheaper. And in this case, Strike makes them free. So you can go on strike and you can buy Bitcoin for free. You can send Bitcoin for free because it uses the lightning network. Um, and then later on, it settles it on layer one on the Bitcoin network. Um, so the cool thing, though, like with strike, that's how you heard. I think Russell Okung on the Panthers was the first one to do it. Uh, recently, Saquon Barkley did it. Um, it's all using strike and the Giants weren't sending Saquon Bitcoin. The Panthers weren't sending Russell Okung Bitcoin. It's literally just, hey, I want 100% or 10% or 50% of my paycheck to go to my Strike bank account, and then Strike will automatically convert it um, according, again, to your preferences uh, for no fees, which is super cool. And then what you can do, Christian, you know, right away, or you wait a couple months or whatever it is, at some point, you can send that from Strike to your 
for instance, Coinbase wallet or okay. um, your cold storage or whatever you want to do. So um, you, you do have to send it off, but um, the cool thing is it does it automatically, does it for free. You don't need anyone's permission. Um, but we're going to let our um, employees know that that is an option and we'll explain why and how. And uh, hopefully we'll, you know, I, I think we'll maybe unofficially be the first youth basketball organization in the U.S. to uh, offer to pay employees in hey, Bitcoin. Hey, hey. So uh, excited about it. <laughs> I love it. And if our employees don't understand it, they need to go listen to the Bitcoin and basketball podcast series because I've learned everything I know from you two. Uh, so, no, that's awesome. It's, it's, it's really big news. It's cool. Like you just said, that's what I was going to allude to. Like, uh, you know, we are not the NBA. We are not Steph Curry. It's cool that this is happening on a smaller scale to, to just regular businesses out there. So, Lee, I want to throw it over to you, although this doesn't affect you and your payments. Uh, what does this mean? This is cool that we're now seeing lower levels of industry go along this way. And it's not just all oh, a Panthers player or a Warriors player. Well, I, I think that is one of the coolest things about the emergence of Bitcoin and how it has trickled through society. Bitcoin has generally, as a financial product, has taken the opposite route of every other financial product that exists in the market. Every other financial product that exists in the market has started at the institutional level and then slowly trickled down to the general population. Whereas Bitcoin has started at the general population level, you know, with, uh, with, um, in, you know, in 2013 with, you know, um, you know, cybersecurity, um, coders, uh, libertarians, uh, people who value freedom and sound money, and then kind of just has slowly trickled out to, uh, normal average everyday people who realize that they need a hard money to save in. And now you're kind of slowly but surely seeing it trickle up to the institutional level, whereas this year we're finally starting to see like the Bitcoin ETF and companies put it in their treasury um, and, and even nations start to adopt it from a sovereign level. So I say all that to say it's amazing to see PSB offer this resource to their employees as a way to not only get paid in Bitcoin, but honestly, as an impetus to kind of be a touch point to say, maybe I should learn a little bit more about that. Maybe I should investigate it just a bit to decide if it's right for me or not. Um, so if nothing else, it is going to be kind of an educational touch point for employees to, to give it a look and then decide if they want to act on it. Um, so kudos to you guys for, for partnering up with Strike and getting this done. I think also the last point I'll make, I do think from like a game theory incentive standpoint, I think this will become eventually almost like a talent attraction tool. I think that I think that employees will start to in the market, you know, demand the ability to have this at their employer. So I think you guys are way ahead of the curve. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I couldn't agree more. And 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 hearing you say uh, the ETF stuff, it was bringing up uh, for me our past conversations about how it's starting to get really legitimized on the on the highest scales of institution, and uh, just cool that it's it's trickled down to to where we are. And I can't believe I will be saying um, I'm getting paid in Bitcoin because I'm certainly taking advantage. I don't know if I'm doing like a hundred percent or ninety eight percent of my paycheck, <laughs> but one of the two. Uh, but no, there is a reason 
for this, right? Uh, given the knowledge we know, and I think a majority of the leftover conversation we have today is going to be around this topic of kind of the macroeconomic look at Bitcoin and the massive problem with the inflation of the US dollar right now in the United States. You know, when I think about this uh, strike thing and what PSB is doing and, you know, heavily uh, by Brendan, it's it's an offer to people to say, hey, your dollars are getting uh, less and less valuable by the day. Here's a, here's a currency that is growing in value. So Lee, I want to throw it over to you because behind the scenes, um, you know, the viewers are lucky enough to hear the Bitcoin and basketball podcast. They're not lucky enough to see the Bitcoin and basketball group message that the three of us have where we're uh, throwing ideas back and forth. And and Lee, we had brought up something in that group chat about um, down payments for houses right now uh, and, and, and young people trying to save up money to buy a house. Uh, hello, I'm, I'm right here in that category. Tried a few months back, have currently given up at the moment because it's so expensive. And there's so much capital you have to put down up front. And, and this is this problem is not getting any better anytime soon. Um, so, Lee, I'm going to throw it over to you to just kind of talk on inflation that's happening in macroeconomics and how Bitcoin can solve this problem. Yeah. So this is something that I've kind of like broadly understood, but very much struggled to find the right framework to be able to like explain it in words. And I think recently through like reading some articles and 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 just doing some of my own kind of internal um, thinking, I, I think I've found like a decent way to hopefully kind of explain this. And Christian and Brennan, I want y'all to like interrupt me, jump in questions, comments, whatever, as I kind of lay this, I guess you could call it somewhat of a thesis out. Um, yep. So I think the best place to start is to look backward. And we all know that the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, it was a massive impetus for uh, not only social change because of, you know, the economy effectively shutting down, but also financial change. So there was a fiscal and monetary response from the federal government to try and bridge the economy from when it had to effectively shut down in March of 2020 to when they were hopeful that the economy would be able to turn back on and people could get back to work. So the, the, the fiscal response would be simply stimulus checks, uh, small business loans to businesses to, have, to give them liquidity to get through kind of the downturn. That, that's on the fiscal side. Um, on the monetary side, the response was essentially to push interest rates down. And interest rates, all that is, is the cost of capital. How much do you have to pay back when you borrow? That's all an interest rate is. Does that make yep. sense? Okay. Oh, yeah. Hey, again, I was here a few months ago, and all everyone was saying is the interest rates are so low. Go do it. So tell me why they were all wrong, please. <laughs> well, I, so I wouldn't necessarily say it's even right or wrong. I think it's just cause and effect. Like, it just is. Um, there will be people on both sides of the argument that would say it was necessary or it was not. I'm not necessarily here to suss that out, although it's a fascinating conversation. But just like you're, you're alluding to already, Christian, you're already on the right track, low interest rates incentivize people to borrow because if you know you have less to pay back on the interest, you're more likely to make the investment, okay? Yep. So yep. If, we, if we start to think about interest rates, incentivizing borrowing, fiscal and, fiscal and monetary 
uh, responses and stimulus, all these dollars getting thrown into the system to try to get people the liquidity they need until the economy can turn back on. Okay, now what does that create? More dollars in the system creates inflation. All inflation is, is the rising prices of goods and services. Okay, yep, yep. so in America, we're traditionally used to like a one to 2% inflation rate, which you don't really feel all that much. Like you're, you know, if something costs a hundred dollars and it's a 1% inflation rate, it costs $101, you know, the next year, it's not like a massive jump, but, yep. and this is, and this is pertinent to today because the new inflation rate just dropped this morning and it's now somewhere around 6.3%. Okay. Ooh. So if you start to think about inflation as the hurdle rate, and what I mean by the hurdle rate is when people are investing money year over year, they have to beat inflation. That's your hurdle rate. If you don't beat inflation on your investments, you're losing purchasing power. Okay. So if you're holding cash and the inflation rate is 6%, you are losing 6% of purchasing power year over year because your dollars are worth less for what you can buy. Does that make sense? 100%, yes. Okay. So the point I'm trying to make here, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to land the plane here pretty soon. Conservative assets become basically uninvestable when the hurdle rate, the inflation rate, starts to get higher because you can't hold cash besides like maybe a little emergency fund, you can't hold cash because you're losing 6% a year. So, so that's a negative real return. That's just, that's insane. Why would anyone do that? Yep. You, can't, you can't put your money in a high yield savings account, which might get you 0.2% right now. You're, that's, that's almost not better than holding cash. You're still losing purchasing power at a massive percentage, 5.86%. You also can't really go into sovereign debt, which is bonds, uh, government debt. Uh, I'm going to give the U.S. government $10,000 and over six years, they're going to pay me back 2% a year, right? That's a very um, conservative asset class that has been used for the entire existence of the United States, bonds, okay? So bonds right now, you're still going to get paid back your 2%. So if I give the US government $100, they're going to give me $2 back at the end of the year, but I'm still losing to that hurdle rate. Inflation because is 6%. It's 6%. It's uh, 6%. Yep. Okay, so in, so so conservative assets become uninvestable. I can't hold cash, I can't put my money in a high yield savings account, and I can't buy sovereign debt. I can't buy government debt. Okay. What does that do? That pushes capital allocators farther out the risk curve. Those are conservative assets, a sure thing. Well, right now it's a sure thing to lose money. So, yes. so, so capital allocators in financial markets can be everyone from you and me, us three, we're financial actors. We try, to, we try to invest our money. We try to put it in a place where we think it'll get a decent return. So do institutions, so do corporate treasuries, so does pension funds. So does uh, the U.S. government, frankly. So, okay, if you have to beat the hurdle rate, you have to go into more risky assets because you got to beat that 
Now, this gets back to why we're seeing record highs in equity markets, record highs in commodity markets, and records highs, record highs in the real estate markets, because those are the only places that capital allocators can push capital into to beat the hurdle rate of inflation. So that's why pr home price appreciations are going into 13, 14, 15, 20%. That's why equity markets, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, that's why those things have skyrocketed 17, 20, 25% year over year. That's why commodity markets, materials, wood, lumber, gold, silver, although precious metals haven't actually um, performed all that well. And the theory there is because capital allocators are pushing into Bitcoin rather than precious metals. But you, yep. see, you see the picture I'm painting here. When conservative mm -hmm. assets lose out to the hurdle rate, which is inflation, it pushes capital allocators into the higher risk curve assets. It pumps those risk curve assets. And that goes back to something me and Brendan have talked about a lot on this podcast. Most people don't know this. So most people save the money. They put their cash in their savings account. They bought, you know, they, they, they put their money in a high yield savings account thinking, oh, great, I'm getting my 1%. I'm getting my, I'm getting my 0.5%. My money's growing year over year. Your nominal rate is growing. Your dollars are technically getting bigger, but they it's a negative real return because you're not beating the hurdle rate. Okay. The light bulb just went off. This happens once a podcast. The light bulb just went off. It, 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 you were talking for a while and I was like, I'm the host. I got to agree with him, but it didn't click until right there. That, that makes sense. I put my money in a savings account. They're saying they're going to give me 1% interest, whatever. I make a little bit of money back, but the overall macro is that the 6% inflation is making the dollar lose so much value that it doesn't even matter that I'm getting that 1% back. I'm losing in the long run. Your gas is 6% higher. Your food is 6% higher. Your entertainment is 6% higher. So you're getting 1% on your savings rate, but you have you your dollars buy less of the things that you want. Okay. Yep. Yes, exactly. Yep. Christian. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And, by, and by the way, 6% was the official number that just came out. Correct. A lot of people think that really the number is much higher than that. They, some people think it's, you know, in like 14%, um, or, you know, it feels like we're up there. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that, that's what I'm saying. And, and that's what you just said is, is what a lot of people think. Like I can feel it. Something's going on. I don't know what it is, but something crazy is happening. Like these prices are rising my wages are not rising or, or or maybe they are but you know it's still like the prices are disproportionately rising like i can feel it there's something there's something going on i don't know what it is and lee just explained what it is that's going on so that's that was probably the kind of light bulb moment i guess yeah no, and lee i do think that was that was very well explained i do want to say I, I know i know you had to take a while to land that plane it was a long flight but I, the light bulb popped off for me i know you may have more thoughts and, and brendan i want to throw it back to you but lee my, my next question is okay great you've explained it to me i get it how do, how does bitcoin solve that does bitcoin solve that is that what you're telling me what i would tell you is that as more and more people are waking up to the fact that something is wrong with the money. Just like Brendan was just alluding to, just like that light bulb just went off for you, Christian. People know something's wrong, but they can't quite put their finger on it. You know what I mean? I just, let, let me um, just humor me real quick 
And let me read a post. I'm not going to say who this person was. It's a professional that I follow on LinkedIn. This person has a high paying job. And this is what they wrote on LinkedIn. I've recently been saving for a down payment on a house, but it feels like the more I save, the more expensive the houses in the area become. It's frustrating. I don't want to buy the house under the stress of if I don't buy it now, I might lose this opportunity because I think that's when you make decisions you might regret. So for right now, I'll just continue to put money away and I'll trust that things are work, work out this way they're supposed to. This mm. is someone who works a, a white collar, high paying wage earning job, and they don't know that the fact that they're just hoarding their cash away, that they're losing to the hurdle rate at a massive percentage. So I think what I'm telling you, Christian, is that if you look at the annual appreciation of Bitcoin over its existence, uh, people kind of argue about this, this, this percentage. I think most people kind of use the 200% year over year number, which is actually true. But if you remove the first couple years, uh, which, which was like imminent price discovery, the first time Bitcoin even had a market price and it was just you know, it went from like zero to $80, which is just kind of an inconceivable uh, amount of appreciation. Even if you remove those early years, we're still looking at about 135% year over year return for Bitcoin over the past, call it eight years. So Bitcoin is absolutely crushing, crushing the, the hurdle rate, crushing uh-huh. the hurdle yeah. rate. If you so, can so crush- hold on. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you. So I put my money in a bank account. They're telling me I'm only going to get a, whatever, a high yield savings, whatever you even said there. They're telling it's me they're only going to give me yield. one. It's 0.2. That's not high. Sure. That's not high so, yield. That's what they try so to they're tell saying, you. <laughs> they're saying they're going to give me 0.2 back. But I say, no, I'm going to put my money in Bitcoin, which is statistically saying it's going to give me 135% back. So I'm beating that hurdle rate by 129% if my math skills are, and, uh, are all right. That's, you, the, that's the point you're making, though, right? That's the point you're making. You got it, Christian. And, and the point there is two, two quick things that I'll say. The point there is now, what have you done? You have now converted your dollars to Bitcoin. And instead of the hurdle rate crushing you, you are crushing the hurdle rate. And what does that mean? Like, how does that, what does that mean for me? That means year over year, my wealth, the, 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 the wealth that I earn by trading my energy and time for grants me higher purchasing power over the long term than it does with storing my money and dollars. And the only other thing I'll say is, and we've talked about this on this podcast before, you're not going to get that 135% over three months, over two months. Again, this is not a get rich quick scheme. This is a don't get poor slow scheme. So you have to be willing to be disciplined. You have to be willing to be patient and you have to be willing to slowly but surely store your money in this network over a long period of time and not worry too much about the day-to-day ups and downs and look over it over three to five to eight years and your purchasing power will be restored because Bitcoin is a fixed supply and it can't be inflated. Hey, 
amazingly put um this podcast i say every time i like i want to go buy more bitcoin right now and and i was almost going to say you guys are going to make me go broke but and in in fact you're going to make me rich one day so i love this podcast uh brendan i just want to throw it over to you real quick for your thoughts on everything lee just said on inflation and, and what bitcoin is doing to combat that yeah no that was excellent but uh what lee just said at the end is you know kind of slowly but surely accumulate bitcoin don't go all in at once you know you be in it for the long term why back, why it back just why like i was like just about to say my of, joke hope my joke was going to be next podcast episode you have to convince me why i shouldn't be paid a hundred percent in bitcoin now so why why would i not want that why would i not want to gain it all right now well i mean you could but the fact of the matter is you can't really transact in bitcoin much in the u.s uh, so you need some dollars to, you know, pay your rent or to buy, go to the grocery store and buy your food. But, you know, my thinking is for, for myself personally, I am putting as much as I can afford into Bitcoin. And then I still have my dollars that I need for everyday purchases. But that's that that tying it back to strike. So what Lee just said, that's the reason we want to make our employees aware of what bitcoin is and why it's important but that's also the idea behind strike pay me and bitcoin is it's automatic dollar cost averaging with no fees so you don't even have to think about it like what lee just said bitcoin is volatile it goes up and down but over the long term it just goes up that's all it's done over the long term is go up it's 100 130 percent every year for the last 10 years um so Imagine if every two weeks you are buying X amount of Bitcoin on a constant basis, uh, no fees, then you are going to accumulate a good amount of Bitcoin and you won't even have had to really think about it, except for the 10 minutes it took to set up your strike account to, you know, set it up on the HR platform. Um, so that is that's exactly the point of strike. That's why we're making our employees aware of it because we want them to be able to save their money. And one thing I'll do is, is Jack Mallers, the founder of Strike, wrote a really good blog announcing this. Um, and he had a good quote in it that is in our announcement piece as well. And, and I'll just kind of quote him real quick. He said, let's be clear, this isn't a pitch to go all in on Bitcoin. This isn't advocating you to push your chips to the center of the table, push all your chips to the center of the table. This is taking your income and taking the money that you plan to save and allowing you to save it in a way that can outpace inflation and the increase in the cost of living. Because of the efficiencies Bitcoin has achieved as money, everyone now has access to increasing the quality of their life because everyone now has access to getting paid and saving in the best money of all time. That was a very short and concise way to say exactly what Lee just said. Uh, it just took Lee that's why to, <laughs> to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that that's amazing. Uh, By the way, apparently Jack's a baller too. He came up through the AAU system and uh, let's and, go. Uh, yeah. The, the guy at his company that, that I'm dealing with, he was a baller too. And they both played AAU. And so they said every, every city Jack goes to, he always hits the NBA games there to, to, to check out basketball. So you got to love oh, that's that. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's, that's the connection bit in basketball. Uh, Lee, I want to throw it to you just for, just for any final thoughts you had there to round that out. Uh, and then we're going to roll out of here uh, for today's episode. Yeah, I think I would just reiterate two points. Um, number one, Christian, you know, there are a lot of different schools of thought out there in terms of kind of what your allocation should be 
kind of going back to your question about like, why shouldn't I just go hundred percent in? Some people do. Um, there are people that are living on a strictly Bitcoin standard, which means their unit of account is Bitcoin. They don't use dollars as their unit of account. And maybe they sell a little bit here and there to feed themselves or do whatever they need to do, but they're strictly living on Bitcoin. The other point I would make about that is you want to make sure that your allocation is not easy for you to ever get blown out of. The, the, the point about holding long-term is so that you can actually capture those returns we're talking about. And sometimes if you over-allocate yourself and then something unexpected happens in the greater financial markets and we have an unexpected massive crash and all of a sudden you need cash on hand, you might get blown out of your position. So I think it's so important to be able to set yourself up to never have to sell until you want to, until you've captured those returns. And maybe you never have to, kind of depending on how the Bitcoin financial market matures. Maybe, maybe eventually you just borrow against it or something like that. But the point I'm trying to make here from an allocation standpoint to your question earlier is keep enough liquidity and cash flow. Make sure you're working hard and creating value in the world so that you can pay for the everyday stuff. And then think of Bitcoin as just your savings account. It's the money you don't need right away. And it slowly but surely over time goes up and to the right. It crushes the hurdle rate and you start to gain more purchasing power for real goods and services. That was your first uh, convincing point to me, by the way, which I think maybe made my very first purchase was when you were like, you're not losing money. You're just moving it to another savings account that's going to make you more money. And I was like, well, what am I doing? I need to jump on this. Hey, Bitcoin, basketball, that's what we talk about. That's what we do. Uh, this has been yet another amazing conversation. More light bulbs go off. The next episode is you both convincing me not to get 100% of my pay in strike. It will be a fun one. Uh, to all the listeners out there, thanks for jumping in again. Please give us a follow at Pro Skills Basketball on Instagram and Facebook and at Pro Skills B-Ball on Twitter. Uh, give Witch Carolina a follow, Lee's podcast uh, that he hosts, as well as Lee is a part of the BuzzBeat pod. Did I just say that right? BuzzBeat? Uh, so go check that out. Little Charlotte Hornets action if you're interested, but stay tuned. We have weekly podcasts coming out. This Bitcoin and basketball series is also weekly. Uh, so as Bitcoin keeps rising, we will keep talking. That's all for today's episode. We'll talk soon.